So is God's love enough for you to ignore and to remove the insanities of this life and to put all of your focus, all of your time, all of your energy, all that you are in the loving Him, in allowing His Spirit to transform you into the holiness and the blameless son or daughter of His. What are we holding on to today that's so important in our life? Are we, are we giving God just a portion of ourselves, or are we giving Him everything? And now let's go to part two of the lesson, Love is Enough. In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So as you can see, Jesus' own words, what is the greatest commandment? Well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of everything that you are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I mean, it's every part of you. It is your inner man. It is your outer man. Don't just try to play the facade of the outer man. Don't just try to, to put on the front of the physical and try to, you know, clean things up for a little bit. You will fail. You might be somewhat successful of a facade for a little bit, but it's not really a success in God's eyes. You might be able to fool man and have a, a semi-success, but you can't fool the creator of your inner man because, like C.S. Lewis says, that's who you are. That's what God cares about is the heart, the inner man, the soul, the spirit where His Son will dwell within you through the Holy Spirit. That's what He's looking at. So, point two is that offering of everything. Because this is your spiritual act of worship. Because, by the way, what does it say? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing. And then we read that in Ephesians. You were designed, you were chosen, you were predestined to be holy and blameless. That was God's great, great good pleasure for you, for your design of your life. So the way to please Him is through this sacrifice. Give it all. Everything you are, give it to Him. And He will do amazing, wonderful things in your life. You might have suffering. You might have times of trial. But it won't matter because what can the enemy use against you if you don't care about any of this physical stuff? If love is enough, if the love of Christ is sufficient and enough in your life, what can the enemy come and try to rob and steal and take from you that will put you into a place of depression and just anger with God to the point where you're just all over the place and part of the insanity that, that circles us in life. What can he possibly do if Christ is everything, if he's the only thing, if he's the number one and the 100%? What can the enemy do? You will completely disown your enemy, the devil, 
if love is enough. But you have to be willing to give it all. Just like Paul talks about in Philippians, I count it all rubbish. Everything that once made me who I was, I count it rubbish. Another word to translate that is manure. I, I count it all disgusting, garbage, poo. So what do we hold on to? Offer it. It's not a suggestion. This is a command from God. Offer it all. And love. Do it in love. God did all this in love for you. The love will be the driving factor of why you offer it. You don't offer it because some guy's telling you to, because a pastor's telling you to, because you hear it on a sermon, because you read it on a blog or see it on social media. You do it because you love him. Let's keep taking a look here. So he says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So it's funny because all of the things are starting to come back to normal. Coronavirus is still out there and things are reopening and that's fine. And we're not here to, to, to say it should or shouldn't. But if worship for those in church has to be in the church, if it... if if the worship is based around the physicality of the location and the gathering, then is that really the worship that is important to God? Because we just said God's looking at the inner man. If you cannot offer it all to God as your spiritual act of worship to Him, the way that you can exalt Him above everything is by making Him the Lord of your life. And what do you do to the Lord of your life? You give Him everything. If we can't worship Him in that way, in that capacity, out of, out of a heart full of love, out of a mind of thoughts thinking in love, if we can't worship Him that way, what good is it to gather in a building and throw up our hands and sing some music? If that's the fraction that we want to give Him, fine. But does He even recognize it? If the inner man spiritual act of worship is not present, do you think God will be present in the gathering when we're singing songs? So here's the call is to get the inner man straightened up because the craziness in the world is not getting any better. The viruses are running rampant. The diseases are running rampant. Joblessness is running rampant. Lack of resources and money is running rampant. Hatred towards one another is running rampant. Insanity is running rampant. It's time for us to truly work on what's important. And that's the inner man. Doing that might not stop a protest or a riot or a coronavirus or uh, unemployment numbers. But it will be pleasing to God. So what is it that's our agenda today? A physical agenda or a spiritual agenda? The choice is yours. Is God's love enough? So if we look back into the Gospels in John chapter 4, verses 19 through 24, we see Jesus having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he says this. Well, first she says in verse 19, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Verse 21, uh, Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father 
neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Which, which mountain do you want to worship on? You want to come over here and gather? Maybe the mountain you want to gather on is virtual worship. Or maybe you want to worship over here. Or worship if, this, if the worship is not in spirit and in truth, if it's not a change in the inner man as a spiritual act of worship first, then what good does the mountain do? What good does the gathering do? What good does the online do? What good does any of it do if the inner man spiritual act of worship is void? If the outside is a facade, then God doesn't recognize it. Is his love enough for you to worship him? Is his grace and mercy and the balance of it enough for us to truly worship him where it matters, and that is in spirit and in truth. And that worship is the third point. Is this his mercy and your offering of all yourself and view of it leads you to a spiritual act of worship which is pleasing to God? Point number four is know the pattern. And we see here in verse 2 of Romans 12, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's so much here, really, in all these two verses that we could really spend hours and hours on dissecting. But I want to focus on this. Paul is writing, Do not conform any longer to the pattern. Do not conform to the pattern. What is the pattern? Now, I want to notice, I want you to notice here that unlike the word bodies, which is plural, the word pattern is singular. What does that mean? Well, that means the world and the prince of the air of the world, which is Satan, has one pattern. He is not some gifted genius who sits back and says, ooh, this person over here is going to be a tough cookie to crack, so let's come up with some new scheme in order to tempt and trap them into the mold that I want them to be. No, no. He's got one pattern. The same pride and arrogance and selfishness that he fell to, which got him kicked out of heaven, is the same pride and arrogance and selfishness that got Adam and Eve, that got man and woman all throughout history, that is getting man and woman even to this day. His pattern is the same. But like I asked earlier, if you are in a spiritual act of worship and Christ is sufficient and his love is enough for you, what part of his pattern works? Your pride? Well, you know your gift from God is his grace. And that because of his mercy, you're not receiving the judgment and death sentence that you deserve because Jesus already paid it. What do you have to be proud in? You know everything that you have is from God. What arrogance can you have in that because you realize you have nothing? And what selfishness can you have because you're exalting God as the Lord of your life? So any of these parts of his pattern 
that work only work because we conform to the pattern. One thing I want to point out here is the word conform to the pattern of and the word transform in the Greek are two different words. At the root, you have schema for conform and you have morphe for transform. They're both nouns, but the interesting part is they both deal with an outer form, an appearance. Okay? Matter of fact, they both have a form and an outward, outward appearance, but transform has a part that conform does not. So morphe, or we probably get our word from metamorphosis, I think we're seeing the tie into the caterpillar as a butterfly now, adds something different than what the conform word or schema, the pattern of the devil's work, his schemes, okay, it adds a part of nature and character. So what does that mean? I know it might seem very complicated. Conform is a form and an outward appearance. Transform is a form and an outward appearance with a nature and a character. What does that mean? Simply this. That when you conform, you are simply changing the outer appearance. You're like a chameleon. When you get around a green plant, you become green. When you're around red mulch, you become red. You are like, I mean, just look at schools and, and kids, and kids fall to it all the time. They go into a school, and there's a lot of uh, athletes, so they might all of a sudden start conforming to the athletes, or, or a lot of people who listen to rock music, so they might start listening to rock music, but they go to another school that listens to rap music, so then now they're going to listen to rap music. They, just, they conform. They jump around. They're chameleons. We all do it. But transform, when he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, is a word not just of an outer appearance, but it's an outer appearance change that's driven by the change of the nature and the character of who you are. And that change only comes about through the Holy Spirit of God, through Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. It's the change that Christ does in you. It's the metamorphosis. When you say, I'm done of the old, I'm shedding the old, just like a caterpillar as it's going into the cocoon is, is ridding itself of anything that's the caterpillar and is going to strictly become something new. And that new nature, that newness in Christ, that rebirth, that regeneration into something new is what will drive the outer form and appearance difference. We want to try to put on a facade and hold on to the caterpillar on the inside. But Paul is urging you as a command to drop the old, to die to it, to put it to death, let it go. Don't go back for it anymore. You don't need it. You've been changed by the power of Christ if you have received him as your Lord. So in this moment, I just want to ask the question, have you yet in your life received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in view of his grace, the free gift from God, the saving grace, not just the grace that everyone gets like the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. We know that. Anyone who woke up today, whether you're a Baptist, Buddhist, Muslim, Catholic, agnostic, atheist. If you woke up, you had breath in your lungs. That's not something you deserve. That's grace. That's a common grace. I'm talking about the saving grace and God's mercy of removing his wrath from us. He put it on Jesus. Jesus took it for us. 
And if you put your trust in him, in view of that mercy, you will offer everything to him. Why? Because you love him. Because you know that you are nothing without him. We are. We are nothing. Why do we hold on to ourselves as if we think we have some importance? Like Paul said, we're rubbish. We're manure. If you have yet to make that decision in your life, perhaps today is the day. Is love enough? If not, then start that inner dialogue. Start seeking of what you're holding on to that's keeping the love of God from being enough in your life. Because that love will overcome any trial, any test, any temptation, any suffering, any moment of heartache. His love is enough to get you through it. His love's not going to stop those things from coming, necessarily. He doesn't promise that if you receive Him, you're free of the, of the harms of the world. He doesn't promise that. But He does urge you to offer it all. Offer everything you are to Him. Because you're His. Because you were designed. There is breath in your lungs this, today when you woke up. Because you were designed to be a child of God. But we cannot be His child on our own because of our sin. We need a sinless Savior. Jesus Christ the Lord. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not continue to be part of the mold of the enemy because if you're in his mold, he can tempt you and you'll fall right to it. Or he can start stripping things away and it will destroy your life. Why? Because you're in the mold. Because it's of importance to you. It's of value to you. It's profitable to you. But is it really? Because on that day when we stand before the Lord, if, if our Lord Jesus were to come back in the clouds before this video ends, would we run to Him? I know we all say we would. Or is there something here that's holding us, that's anchoring us away from Him? Because if it's anchoring us from Him now, when He shows up, it's going to still anchor us. Just like Lot's wife, when they were fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, she turned around and looked because there was something there there was still some part of the caterpillar that she was holding on to. And therefore, she didn't make it out. Will you? That's the question. My hope and my prayer, wherever you are today, is that you will cut whatever's anchoring you, that we will all who are hearing these words, not my words, but God's word that he wrote down for us, that we will remove the anchors in view of his mercy through the lenses of his mercy that it will bring clarity to life and we will realize we are nothing without him and we will exalt him above everything and not have to worry about the insanity that's all around us because you will be the example of his love through the craziness isn't that what we read when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, what's the greatest command? Well, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. Okay, what's number two? Love your neighbor. Because when you, when you give the inner man, just like Paul's talking about here, when you have that spiritual act of worship on the inside for the Lord, it only changes 
the outside as a result. The inner changes through the Holy Spirit, and then he just continues to work that right on to the outside. And that love overflows to our fellow man. They might not receive it, but they might. And you're after the one that will. Perhaps today's the day you find it. Perhaps today's the day that you are able to reach out to someone and truly show them the love of Christ. And it might not even be through something you say, but through your inner man's spiritual act of worship to the Lord your God as you exalt Him above everything, as the craziness ensues around you and it doesn't phase you and you continue to love and praise and worship through it all, your example that transformation of the outside, that morphe, that metamorphosis, when they see a butterfly in the midst of craziness, unaffected. What an incredible example that can be. Are we ready to do it? The world has enough insanity. We do not need any more conforming to a pattern that's wicked and evil and sinful and broken. It's proven that it does not work. So why do we continue to pour more and more validation into something that's broken? Stop it. Stop it by being the example. Jesus didn't come in a riot. He came in love, even to the point when they came to arrest him in the garden. And Peter's out there swinging a sword, cutting off an ear of someone. And he's saying, what, do you think I came was a riot? I didn't come in all this. I came with a purpose. I came so that we could view life through God's mercy and be saved by his saving grace. The insanity, the the craziness, and I'm not just talking about what we see globally on the news. I'm talking about just the insanity that goes on around our individual lives. Jobs, finances, homes, families, children, relationships. The, the insanity is not just on the global scale. That's just what we can see and rec recognize easily. But it's time for us to recognize that there is one solution, and that is that God's love is enough. To end here, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you want to know the will of God? Give it all. And know that his love is all that you need. Let's pray. Father God, it is in the name of Christ Jesus that we come before you. And I just want to lift up everybody who has joined in on this lesson today. This soul snack that we can get from your word as we dive in to two verses and see the command that you have given us. Lord God, I pray that we all would answer that command right here and right now. Perhaps today is the day we make the change. We stop conforming and we transform into the holy, blameless children of God that you have called us and destined us to be. Father, we love you, and as always in the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you taking this time. Again, I am Daniel T. Adams, and I am honored to be taking you through this expedition of God's Word. 
If you uh, are in need of prayer, please reach out to me. Email me right through the site. The website is perhapstoday.danieltadams.com. Send me an email and let me know how I can better serve you. Also, please follow us on the social media channels. We greatly appreciate that. Give us a thumbs up where the thumbs are. But more importantly than that, share this video, share this audio with somebody that you might know who's in need because the Word of God is meant to be shared. And we will share it because we are the church. Thank you so much. God bless.